Welcome to Mile High Magazine. Mile High Magazine takes a look at the issues and people shaping events in Colorado. Presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mile High Magazine. It's Murphy Houston. We're glad to see you here. And today we have a very special guest, well, like always, but this is Margaret Frankhauser, President and CEO of Next 50 Initiative. Margaret, how are you? I'm very well. Happy to be here. Well, we've been friends for a while. We, we have. We kind of know each other. We do. And Margaret, when we first met, started telling me about the Next 50 Initiative, and my eyes just lit up going, this is unbelievable. And people go, that's good for you, Murphy, but what does it mean for us? What is this all about? Well, that's why Margaret is here. Let them know what's going on with Next 50 Initiative and the mission you have. Yes, yes. So shall I tell you about it? Yeah, please do. Next 50 Initiative is a brand new grant-making foundation based in Colorado. 80% of our funding has to be spent in Colorado. Grant-making foundation means that... We have a, an asset base, a pile of money, if you will, that now is... those are words you don't hear very often. <laughs> no, you certainly don't. you got a pile Most of, of us cash. would like to have that personally. Yes. But this, this yes. actually belongs, in a way, to the people of Colorado, because it came from the people of Colorado. It is a, um, an asset base that is to be distributed for the purposes of improving aging and the experience of aging, largely in Colorado. 80% of our funds have to be spent here. Right. 20% can be spent elsewhere or here. So we have the ability to change the experience of aging and to use Colorado as a place to test really game-changing ideas. Well, we like being on the cutting edge in Colorado, but I can't imagine... Is there any place else in America that's doing what you're doing? Well, very few. As a matter of fact, only 2 to 4% of all philanthropy, of all donation dollars in the country, go to aging interests. And we're very, very lucky to have this in Colorado. There are two similar foundations in California, one in New York State, right. one in Minnesota, and now one in Colorado. The beauty here is that most of the assets have to be spent in Colorado. So we can right. use Colorado as a test laboratory for ideas. What kind of assets are we talking here? Lots of money. We're talking about about $200 million. And we wow. are required, because of our designation, to give away 5% of it. We are a not-for-profit organization ourselves. Right. So we have to give away 5% of our asset base every year to nonprofits or government entities that have promising ideas in aging. And the way they do it is they apply to us for funding. We create two funding cycles per year, and they put their ideas on paper. Describe Actually, they put them on computer. Yes, this is the modern do. age. Yes. Uh, they put them on computer, they send them to us, and we weigh them against other ideas and look at where the best ideas are and where they can impact the greatest number of people. So you're working with like a $9 million budget every year. Yes. And yes, you we give are. away $9 million every year, twice a year. Yes. Well, $9 million each year. Each so year. about half of that in each right. cycle. I, mm -hmm. I got it. So how did, how did you get started? How did Next 50 Initiative come about? Well, it's called a Conversion Foundation, and many of the listeners will know about InnoVage. InnoVage were oh, providers yeah. Oh, yeah. of all-inclusive care for right. the elderly, a wonderful model of care. InnoVage was very successful at what they did, and they wanted to expand their model to 
more of Colorado and the rest of the country. But as a not-for-profit themselves, they had difficulty getting assets, um, getting investments for that. So they converted to for-profit status. Now, when that happens in any state, the attorney general gets involved because that money from a not-for-profit is considered to be an asset of the state and the people of the state. I understand. So it doesn't move with the company. So when they convert it to for-profit status, the purchase price for the investors to buy them became that what we call the corpus, okay. the $200 million. Uh, really complicated how yeah, that all works up. It really but, is. But it does serve the population well. In this case, the attorney general got very involved, and she is the one who designated that the money would go to a foundation and that the foundation would be dedicated to aging. So that services the population from which the money was originally derived. Well, a question might be popping in our friends' heads right now. Okay, Margaret, you sound great, but What's your background? How'd you get it? How'd you get involved with all yeah, this money? Yeah, well, I'm a nurse by background, and I spent a lot of time working with older adults uh, as a visiting nurse and a nurse practitioner. And from there, I started writing grant applications to organizations like Next 50 Initiative to help right. fund ideas and programs and services in my own community. From there, I got called to be on the board of some of those foundations. And from that, from board experience, there was an entity that found me and said, hey, there's a new entity forming in Colorado. Would you like to throw your hat in the ring? So I did. And you win. I won, (laughs) yes. And it is, it's as though somebody gave you this wonderful gift one day, but you weren't allowed to spend any of the money on yourself. You can only spend it on this issue that I happen to be very passionate about and everybody who works at Next 50 Initiative is passionate about. So it's it's like having this wonderful gift and going out and finding the most promising ideas and people to spread the word and create a new world. Well, and that's exactly what you're doing, but people might be thinking, well, why is there such a need for an organization like mm-hmm. Next 50 Initiative? That's a lot of money, and what's it? why do we have it? Yeah, there is. it is a great question. But if you think about the changing demographics of Colorado and all of the United wow. States right, right now. You're right about that. So in 1900, the average lifespan of an adult was between 45 and 50. Today, the average lifespan of an adult is 78 to 80, depending on whether you're male or female. And that is increasing every year. Sure is. So what that means is we will all live to be older. And in fact, Colorado has this interesting demographic. 20 years ago, it was full of baby boomers. I'm one of them. Those baby, baby boomers are aging. And as they age... Their needs and demand for services will change dramatically. It's not as though people are going to fall off the planet at age 65. (laughs) They're still here, still very much involved in community. And as people get older now, they want to stay involved, but they also want to be able to live in their own communities. So this money is really designed to help create a better Colorado for all of us to age in, not just the baby boomers, because they're the tip of the iceberg, but their children, their children's children, every generation behind will probably live to be longer. So there will be more older adults in the state. And we hear about how many are moving here, seniors. We're about, did I read, or maybe you and I even talked about it, we're going to become the third biggest state with seniors? Yes, yes. And especially places like 
Colorado Springs and Fort Collins have become huge retirement communities. And when people get there, they don't want to just stop being involved or engaging. They want to stay very engaged. So many of them have created organizations that are designed to help improve community life for all generations of people, including older adults. And how many years have you been doing what you're doing? In philanthropy, I've been either writing grants or making grants for about 20 years. As a nurse, I've been a nurse for 40 years this wow. year. Thank yeah. goodness for that. <laughs> and thanks for your work. And Next 50, how long have they been around? They've been around for about a year and a half. So they, you're brand new. We are brand new. New kids on the block. Right. I like that. So how many projects have you supported to date? I mean, I've run into some of these folks and talked to them. You're doing great work with the money, but it's fun to talk about it. It's very exciting. We've given grants to about 71 entities thus far in our first year of funding, which is wonderful. What's more terrific about it, I think the real blast, is that we've distributed the money in a wide variety of funding entities, everything from theater and the arts to health care to housing to community services and uh, social justice, elder justice. We've made this broad range of grants to people and their entities that are sort of touching every element of life. Can we safely say there's nothing out of consideration? There's, I mean, you serious, I mean yes. seriously look at every application. Yes, absolutely. In fact, one of the things we like to point out to people is we love health and healthcare, but we're not strictly speaking a healthcare funder, which means that entities who are involved in transportation or housing or arts or social justice or caregiving or um employment for older adults, anything is game for us, as long as it comes from a nonprofit organization or a government entity. We can't fund for-profits, but we can do this. If there's some really terrific technology or idea that exists in the proprietary or for-profit space, sure. and a nonprofit wants to test it but can't afford to buy the product or lease it, I get it. we can fund the nonprofit to purchase or lease the product or idea so that they can bring it to their population. So you're really looking for nonprofits. Mm -hmm. That's one of the qualifications. But what else are you looking for when selecting grant recipients? Is Uh, there any other qualifications? Yes. We we really want to do innovative things. We, We say in our office that we have an eye for innovation. And what that means is if we just keep doing things exactly the way we've been doing them, we're going to get where we always got, except we're going to have a much larger population that we can't serve. So we love to test new ideas that haven't been tried before or maybe have been tried in a different community but haven't been scaled in a Colorado population. So we really look at that. We, We really feel strongly about reaching out to rural populations and people who are traditionally underserved, low-income, socioethnic um, minorities, things like that, so that they get equal access to the funds that we provide and the services that we are offering through our partners. Sure, sure. 
And again, we should emphasize the fact that most of the money you deal with stays right here in Colorado. Yes, 80% of it has to be spent in Colorado. That's amazing. It is amazing. Can you talk about maybe some of the recent grant recipients so if people can think, oh, that's a yeah. great idea. Or, yeah. yeah. we one of the, I was just visiting these people a couple of weeks ago. It's called Older Adults Technology Services, OATS for short. And OATS uh, has a game plan of improving older adults' understanding and use of technology services. Oh, that's a good one. It is a good one because think of all the technology around us, and we tend to associate technology with young millennials who are very facile with it. And older adults can sometimes get very intimidated by it for a a large number of reasons. Oh, for sure. So OATS has done a number of studies, and they've worked a little bit on the East Coast to take a teaching methodology that does a couple of things. It teaches older adults how to use a computer, a smartphone, uh, the Alexa that many people have in their homes or their kids have bought them for Christmas and teach them how to use it. But beyond that, the classes are also social gatherings for people. So they reduce social isolation. They give people an opportunity to learn among peers so they don't feel like They're at the back of the class and millennials are running ahead with this, that people are learning at their own pace. And they're setting up several sites around the state of Colorado so that they can get into rural communities as well as urban communities. And and they will be funded for a couple of years to try and improve the ability of older adults to use technology. They've been very successful in programs that they've already done. That's a great idea. And we know in talking with seniors in the past that socializa- socialization is so important for um, seniors. Oh my goodness, yes. And in, in fact, a number of the programs that we have funded have either as a primary or a secondary interest the reduction of social isolation. So we like to talk about people aging in place, staying in their homes to the extent that it's possible. And that's a wonderful thing. But as people lose mobility, sometimes that home of theirs can become so socially isolating that it's almost like a prison. Absolutely. So the idea here is to try and either pick them up and bring them to sites and keep them socially engaged and, and also to look at the possibility of using technology to allow them to engage. Things like either Facebook or Skype or others where they can talk and engage with people without necessarily having to go to the place where other people are. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so many people have family all around the country. So if they can Skype and do face talking and all the stuff they do, yes, they won't feel away from family that matters so much to them. Absolutely. And, and family can stay in touch with them sure. instead of being afraid of what's happening with mom if I haven't heard from her today. Well, yeah. Yeah. Or if somebody's representing mom, I need to talk to mom myself. Yes, exactly. Because I'll know what's going on when I see That's a great thing. It is a great thing. And what about some other programs that have already begun in a year and a half only? I know. So one of them that is we think is very exciting is a an arts program that is dealing with Alzheimer's and memory disorders. Oh. And it's a theater project. So it presents the development of Alzheimer's in the form of a play. And it's a mother and a parent, or excuse me, a daughter and a parent. Um, And you can see the decline of the parent and um, the daughter dealing with this. And and it brings it into a sphere where people can think about it themselves. If you give people a book, chances are they won't read it because 
Alzheimer's and memory disorders are fearful things. We're all afraid of them. Absolutely. But if you put it in a non-traditional frame, like a play, then people can get engaged in the story. And the beauty about this play, which is just about to launch, is that there will, after the play is produced and the audience hears it, there will be discussion platforms afterwards. So people in the audience can stay behind and hear people talk. Like about, doctors? Yes, or, yes. Well, really. Experts in memory yeah. disorders. I, that's a wonderful thing because the plays, stories that are acted out in front of us touch a part of us that are is often very sensitive. Right. So we think it's very non-traditional and pretty interesting way of getting people to open their thinking about this. And Educational. Them. Education. Education. So, this place about to begin when where is that going to happen well i'm sounds really interesting it does sound really interesting and i'm afraid i don't have all the details for you right now but we're going to be providing those on our website okay um very soon and you can find our website at www.next50initiative.org that's n-e-x-t-5-0 initiative and you have a phone number too. Can we give that out? Or yes, you're going to get swamped with calls. <laughs> we have uh, no. The phone number is fine. It's three zero three five four seven one eight zero zero. Good number. We're talking with uh, Margaret Frankhauser, president and CEO of Next Fifty Initiative, a new organization in Colorado that she heads up that has money to give you if you've got an idea, thinking I, I just need a little cash to get this going, and I can help people. Did I, I say that right? You did say it right. And I'm going to play on the cash part because here's another interesting uh, piece that we funded. And it is coordinated out of the University of Denver. It's a research project, and it's based on this premise. Our ability to calculate, that is to make clear calculations and investment or money decisions, sure. seems to peak sometime in our mid Thirties, isn't that a frightening statistic? Mid thirties, you know, we're way past it ourselves. God, I don't think I could balance my checkbook. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do? And begins to decline yeah, afterwards. So it seems that the ability to make financial decisions, especially somewhat complicated ones, is actually a canary in the coal mine for memory disorders. So researchers at the University of Denver are working on a tool that would be used by financial advisors or bankers or mortgage people or potentially your own family to try and identify early signs of cognitive decline based on the ability to calculate. And they will also be doing some education programs in the community about financial planning and how to identify when a loved one may be losing their ability to make financial decisions. What a great idea. It is. And it you you probably already know that the incidence of fraud among older Americans. Oh, it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. It's it's a social disgrace. It is. How much people are taken advantage of. So Very sad. The idea is to work on public awareness and help us help one another when it comes to financial decision-making so that older adults are less prone to be preyed upon. Oh, and they do get preyed upon. You Mm -hmm. hear the stories all the time. You do. You do. And now, well, it's not money-related, but Medicare. You know, with the new Medicare cards coming out, there's tons of fraud going on. There are, absolutely. And that's one of our interests. In fact, we hope to see more applications in that line because 
most Americans are trusting people and they believe that if they give their card to somebody, nothing bad will happen. We're we're trying to raise awareness about the opportunities for others to either engage in scams, to steal an identity, or to steal money. So if if the listeners have or are working with organizations that have ideas, we would love to see some more applications that reduce the incidence of fraud and abuse and raise public awareness. That's a great idea. You probably want to maybe any kind of idea that's going to assist seniors. Yes. As we just said, we're all headed that way, so you're basically helping yourself. Yes. You eventually get there. So that's kind of what you're looking for at Next 50 Initiative. Yes, absolutely. And we, we also will fund studies that help us to understand the population better. So one of the things we funded in our first cycle was a, a statewide study, sort of a status of older adults in Colorado, where the needs are, where the populations differ. And we funded that through what are called AAAs, the Area Agencies on Aging. Right. They like, are all participating. Like with Dr. Cog, exactly. that would be one. Dr. Cog is one of the leaders right. of that in Colorado. So they're all participating in this study. And as I understand it, the study will be complete and ready to be published in January. Wow. That will inform the legislature, it will inform funders like ourselves, and it will also inform community-based organizations that are looking at where they should put their funds and their efforts in order to improve aging. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I like that. So if somebody's out there with an idea now, they go to your website, yes. and, and it's a grant form. Am I correct about that? It is that? a grant it, form. And in fact, we just opened a new grant cycle. It opened on July 15th, but people can enter at any point before the close. The grant cycle closes on August 31st, and that means that all applications have to be completed and submitted by midnight on August 31st. Okay. So if they're interested... They go to our website, www.next50initiative.org. On the left-hand menu is a funding word. Sure. And they just click on that, and it will take them to the application. So they log in and create a, a user identification, and they can build the application as they work on it. That means they can save it, shut it down, not submit it, right. and come back to it two, three, four, five days later. As long as everything is finished and they hit the submit button by August 31st, it will be considered. All done online. All done online. Couldn't be easier than that. It couldn't be easy. It's actually a very easy application. I, I've written easily 200 to 250 grant applications myself in my career. And they're difficult. They can be very difficult, especially the federal grant applications oh, are, are terribly onerous. We tried to create this thinking about the end user and making sure that they could understand the questions we were asking. What we want them to do is to tell us who they are, sure. what their organization is about, and what their idea is about. And we we take the strategy, pretend we know nothing about this, explain it to us in such a way that we could explain it to somebody else. Ah, I get that. And that means uh, really just... Go back to the basics. You don't have to use buzzwords or fancy language. We want to know what you want to do, how many people you think this will affect, and what you think the impact will be. We also look for something else. We look for something called scalability. And that is, if this works in your community or your organization, is it likely to work someplace else? Could it be 
taken someplace uh, else. At a high level. At a higher level right. and replicated, of course, with some changes. Every community is a little bit different from the others. But we look for that scalability. But the questions are pretty basic, and we then weigh them all. Um, we assign the grant applications to somebody in the team. They're looked at by that person and then brought to the entire team. And the person who's looked at it presents the idea. At the end of the cycle, we make a list of recommendations to our board and our board are our volunteers and the board actually make the decision about who gets funded who gets funded Mm -hmm. now let me ask you this if an organization does apply for the grant and Mm -hmm. they don't get it through this cycle can they reapply and keep coming back and saying hey we've refined it or would you reconsider absolutely in fact for every application we decline we invite them to call us and we encourage them to call us to find out why. We don't want to put it in writing because it's often a conversation that leads you to the right place, not yep. a dictation. So we invite them to talk to us and we say, we think this is you know, a really good idea, but you. Need, but what about this? And what about this? And were there any vulnerable populations you were considering? Is this scalable? That sort of thing. And they are welcome to submit in the next cycle. In fact, after our first cycle, we did exactly that. And at least seven of the declined, those who were declined in the first cycle, came back in the second cycle and were funded. Really? That's a high number. That is a high number. And it means two things. It means that they listened to what we thought would make this um, more fundable. And the other is that they generally broadened some of their reach and scope within the grant. So we are absolutely um, fine. In fact, we encourage them to reapply. It's a great idea. Can you address a little bit about what uh, Encore Career is? Oh, yes. That's a great one. So that's one of the things that we're very interested in funding. Encore Career is a second career after your midlife period or maybe your retirement where you don't want to exit and go to the golf course every day or sit on the couch and watch soap operas, operas, (laughs) where, where people say, you know, I still want to be involved, but maybe not in what my paid employment was okay. during my my earning career. That doesn't mean that they don't want to earn, but Encore Careers can take on an earning um, uh, effort or they can be a volunteer effort. They're usually something that the person is passionate about sure. and they've nurtured that passion for a number of years and they want to do something in that area. So, you know, examples of Encore Careers can be, you know, you were an investment banker or something before during your earning career, but now you want to become a teacher because you you were inspired by teachers, you care deeply about children. It could be anything. Anything. And in fact, most older adults don't want to fully retire after the age of 65. I agree with that. Some of them because they can't afford to. Some of them because they, they're afraid of their, their mind deteriorating. Sure. And in sure. fact, staying engaged and using your your brain for some creative or constructive idea actually seems to be associated with um, staving off memory disorders. So people want to stay engaged. Encore careers have become very important. And in this area, in the Denver metro area, a boomer's leading change is the um, central point of Encore careers. It's something called the Encore Network. 
And that's that's another nonprofit, right? It is another right? nonprofit. Boomers making change. Leading change. Leading change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they deal basically with all what we're talking about here. Right, right. And some people get very involved in lobbying or helping to lead legislation. Some people get involved in volunteerism. And some people get trained for other jobs as second careers. That's a great thing. It is a great thing. So do you have connection on your website? With this, what we're talking about, these Encore Careers? We do not currently on our website. We will be building the website up a little bit in the next year. As we right. get more grants out the door, we'll start to put links to some of those grants available from our website. But even though it's not there right now, it's easy to find. Encore.org uh, is the best way to find it. And the national organization is based in San Francisco. Well, and I think it's good for the economy, isn't it? It is. There aren't enough workers. Yeah, exactly what I was just thinking. <laughs> there are not enough workers. We really cannot, as a nation, afford to carve out people at, at or around the age of 65 and say, go sit on the sofa. We need the skills that they bring. But there is another part of the Encore Network that we should all pay attention to, and that is this concept of ageism and discrimination against people because they're over the age of 60. In fact, one of the movements of the Encore Network and other entities is to encourage people to drop the year they graduated from school from their resume. Oh, that's interesting. So that the person looking at it doesn't say, "Uh, she's 64, we're not going to keep her very long, we'll move to somebody younger. Right. We know that that exists. It's well-documented in the United States. Encore and others working on this effort are trying to change that ageism. They should. They should, absolutely. Because it's not just their skills. It's also the experience of that position. It is. And these young people come in and go, gosh, I never had it. Well, let me tell you what how this works. <laughs> That's got to be invaluable to companies. Absolutely. And what we're trying to promote is a multi or intergenerational workforce where all ages learn from one another because everyone brings something unique to the workplace. Exactly. It sounds good. Mm-hmm. Well, Margaret, glad to have you here. One more time, Next 50 Initiative, there people who want to apply for a grant, what do they have to do? They need to go to the website, www.next50initiative.org, where the 50 is 5-0. And when they come to our face page, our homepage, on the left-hand column will be a word funding. Click on the word funding and it will take them to the grant application and the grant guidelines. You're doing good work. This is so exciting. It is exciting. And this is only the beginning. Exactly. It's going to grow. It will grow. In the years to come, we'll fund all kinds of interesting things that will take take root in Colorado, and hopefully make Colorado a model state for the, for the nation. Great idea. Margaret Frankhauser, President and CEO of Next 50 Initiative, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. It's we my pleasure. It. And thank you guys, too, for hanging out with us. Mile High Magazine, I'm Murphy Houston. We'll talk to you next week.